liftoff and the clock has started. This is 20 minutes. You'll never get back. That was great sounding. Thank you very much. That was Damien from Santiago, Chile. And it's uh, great to have Chile back in the program again. And uh, Damien was right. This is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in to this program. I appreciate it, as always. And uh, say, if you want to be an announcer, it's really easy. Just record your introduction on your phone and then email it to me. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to pay you, but I will give you 1,000 20-minute points. They're good uh, at literally nowhere. <laughs> This week's hellos go to uh, Edmonton, Canada, in Alberta. Alberta, Canada. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, also, hello to Las Cruces. Las Cruces, you guys have been listening to the show for like forever, and I appreciate it. And the new one uh, last week was Partile or Partil in Sweden. Welcome to you. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of Swedish there. So hello to those cities and, you know, hello to you listening, wherever, whatever city you're in. I promise I will try and get to all cities. It may take me 700 episodes, but I will get to all of them. Okay. All right. I think it's time to start the show. So let's get going. Well, Thanksgiving is over here, at least in the U.S. And I hope you had a nice one or will have a nice one, you know, depending where you are. And that's all based on last week's episode. Uh, But back to Thanksgiving dinner being over, besides perhaps a tryptophan coma, that means one thing, a sink full of dishes, plates, pots, pans, basically everything you own is in the kitchen sink somewhere. And who gets to clean it all up? Is it a a joint project? You know, everybody chipping in or is it the poor schmuck who got the final score of the football game wrong? Uh, Did you all flip a coin? You know, that's no fun because it's just a 50-50 chance. So how do you decide who gets to do all the dishes? Well, maybe, just maybe, you turn to one of the oldest games known to man to decide who ends up with dishpan hands, Rochambeau, or Rock, Paper, and Scissors. Now, I know how to play uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors, or as we know it, RPS. I've lost many a wager, but I decided now is a really good time to find out why rocks or paper or scissors. So you know what? I did some research, basically, so you don't have to. You know, you've got better things to do. Start your Christmas shopping. But how did this RPS thing start? Well, hand-based games have been around since a couple of cavemen were trying to decide who had to start the fire. As for the beginning of rock, paper, scissors, this appears to have originated as a hand game from China. Now, these games supposedly go back about 2,000 years, but factual evidence is a little slim on this. Now, the trail gets a little bit clearer starting around the 17th century. That's when some of these games migrated over to Japan, and there's references to them in all kinds of surviving text. In the early going, there were a bunch of these three-hand gesture games, and they're called Sansukumi Ken. Now, Sansumi Ken roughly translates to this. Ken means fist games, and the San means three-way, and Sukumi means deadlock. So basically, this means that A beats B, B beats C, and C beats A. An example of one of these games is the Japanese Mushi Ken. Now, instead of using rock, paper, and scissors, they used hand gestures representing a frog, a slug, and a snake. The specific gestures were the thumb was the frog, which defeats the slug. The slug is represented by the pinky finger, and that defeats the snake. And the snake is represented by the index finger, which defeats the frog. 
I can already hear you saying, hey, Doug, hold the horses. How is a snake beaten by a slug? Well, it's hypothesized that when the Japanese adopted the game from China, they misinterpreted the character for a certain poisonous centipede used in the Chinese version uh, with another one representing a slug. So there you go. It's supposed to be a poisonous centipede turned into a slug. Go figure. The direct ancestor of rock, paper, scissors is the game of John Ken, which has been played in Japan going back to around the 17th century. It uses the rock, paper, scissors trio of hand gestures that we're all familiar with. As to how it spread around the world, well, this wouldn't actually happen until much more recent history based on documented accounts seemingly occurring between 1920s and 1950s. Some of the earliest references of the game outside of Japan include one account in France in 1927 where it was called Chi Fo Mi. There was another in Britain in 1924 called Jot. So why did this particular hand gesture game catch on in the wider world when so many others did not? Well, most believe that the global success of rock, paper, scissors comes from the universal appeal of its simplicity. And that makes it a very effective and seemingly random way to settle a dispute or decide something between two individuals. It's thought that many of the Japanese immigrants who came to the west coast of the United States brought John Ken, or rock, paper, scissors, with them. Rock, paper, scissors is one of the few Sansukumi Ken games still played in modern Japan. In fact, the game showed up in a well-publicized story about a Japanese businessman named Takashi Hashiyama in 2005. That year, he had decided to auction off his very impressive collection of art, and two famous auction houses vied for his business. He couldn't decide which of the two auction houses to use, so he asked representatives of the two houses to play John Ken to help him decide, insisting, quote, I believe this is the best way to decide between two things which are equally good, end quote. So what happened? Well, Christie's went with scissors and Sotheby's went with paper. No! Christie's went... <laughs> Christie's win earned the auction house several million dollars in commissions from the sale of the paintings, make it potentially the most expensive game of rock, paper, scissors ever played in history. Now, the next question you're probably asking yourself is, why is it also called Rochambeau? Now, if you're not asking that question, you should be, because, I mean, you know, this podcast episode is on rock, paper, scissors, and, and you know full well, it's also called Rochambeau, so why wouldn't you ask that question? Well, here in America, some people call it rock, paper, scissors, while others call it Rochambeau. That's just a little too pretentious for me, but here's how it got its name, okay? Buckle up, kids. The commonly held story is that it is from a French general by the name of, oh God, here we go. His name was Jean-Baptiste Donatien de Vimeur de Rochambeau. <laughs> how was that? He came to the colonies to assist the Americans in gaining their independence from the British in the Revolutionary War. Now, it's commonly stated that Rochambeau introduced the game to the new nation while he was in America. But the timetables just don't really line up here from uh, documented instances of the game. So while wildly touted as an explanation, it's just likely a myth. That said, it may actually be that Rochambeau really did at least inspire the name. 
Historian John Buescher is from the University of Virginia, and he says that the first published reference to the game in the United States comes from a 1932 New York Times article about Tokyo's rush hour and a game played during commuting. In the article, the rules to the game are described in detail, again lending to the idea that it was still pretty new to the United States at that point. We fast forward three years to 1935, and that's when the Handbook for Recreation Leaders, compiled by Ella Gardner, was published by the Children's Bureau. Now, Ella Gardner was considered the government's child recreation expert. In the book, the game Rochambeau is described as such for the first known time under that name. Now, here's something that's noteworthy. At the time, the Children's Bureau was located a mere block away from a statue of the Count Rochambeau, which was erected in 1902 in Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. In the original Japanese version, it's common to say Jean Ken Pon as you pump your fist up and down. Buescher hypothesizes that Ella, or somebody else involved in the government by creating the book, got the idea to switch the Japanese words to something with a bit of American patriotism, substituting Jean Kenpon with Rochambeau. It's also noteworthy here that this particular publication was read by many teachers, parents, and the like throughout the nation, perhaps spreading the name in the process during a time when it would have been the first instance for most Americans ever encountering rock, paper, scissors. Okay, so now you know how rock, paper, scissors started and why it has an alternate name here in the United States. But my work isn't done here, nope, not by long shot. After the break, I'm gonna tell you what the experts have to say to up your odds of winning and how you can join the World Rock, Paper, Scissors Association. So don't go away. From San Francisco comes Right a Roly, the San Francisco treat. Right a Roly, the flavor can't be beat. One pan of boiling cooking ease, the flavor that is sure to please. Right a Roly, the San Francisco treat. The San Francisco treat. You know, I grew up right across the bay from San Francisco great place i love the bay area now i'm in los angeles okay i love <laughs> i love los angeles the traffic is wonderful here i love it love me some la traffic <laughs> okay back to the show the game rock paper scissors is played on school grounds and households and bars and just about a million other places it has even become a competitive sport with various organizations formed in different countries in 2002, a couple of brothers formed the World Rock, Paper, Scissors Society, and they formalized the rules for international competition. They held the Rock, Paper, Scissors World Championships in Toronto every year from 2003 to 2009, some of which were even televised. <laughs> Can you imagine watching Rock, Paper, Scissors on TV? Oh, look, we see the instant replay on that. Yes, yes, you can see he threw the scissors. What a move. <laughs> God. Now, at this point, you're probably wondering, okay, that's all great, Doug. But how about uh, telling me how I can improve my odds of winning? Well, let's start here. Statistically, men are a few percentage points more likely to start with rock 
women are similarly slightly more likely to start with scissors. <laughs> I don't know. One strategy to win is to not give the person any time to think. You, you simply challenge them to a game to decide something and start pumping your fist to get them to join in and hope the slight natural tendency will kick in. He'll throw a rock or she'll throw scissors. That should improve your odds further, making the, and you know, make it the best uh, three out of five to help out, okay? There was a study at Zhejiang University in China, and they used 72 students playing 300 rounds of rock, paper, scissors. It turns out, while overall what a person ended up picking seemed completely random, but when you look at it closely, there are actually some very clear patterns. If someone wins, they are more likely to make the same choice next time. If they lose, however, they are likely to choose the next item in the sequence from the one they just lost with. So if one loses with rock, they're likely to choose paper the next time. If they lose with paper, they're more likely to throw scissors the next time. Basically, they're picking the thing they just lost to. Furthermore, players who repeat the same sign twice are extremely unlikely to throw the same sign a third time. This allows you to improve your odds slightly by ruling out the one they had just been using. So if they throw scissors twice, your next throw should be paper, as they're likely to choose either paper or rock, improving your odds of a tie or a win. Using these tricks, and assuming your opponent does not know any of this, the more likely you are to win the overall match against them. Now, my best advice is to play somebody from Vermont, since we know they don't listen to, to this podcast. <laughs> Moving on from playing the odds, if you have fast reflexes, a rather kind of shady way to improve the odds is to watch how the final hand drop is going. It turns out most amateurs, which is basically everybody, they'll start to move their fingers if they're not choosing rock. It's a total rookie mistake. Now, in this case, if the thumb of your opponent is held tucked in the fist and is showing no signs of unclenching halfway down the pump, this usually implies rock. If there's any movement of the fingers at all as a fist starts to go down, it's going to be scissors or paper. Now, if you're not fast enough to register the exact finger movement, always go with scissors. That will ensure you a tie or a win. Now, finally, if you're playing an opponent who knows all the tricks and you don't feel like using the slightly shady cheating method of reacting to the hand movements, it's probably best to pick a completely random and evenly distribute your choice uh, each time. Now, that being said, all that, the World Rock, Paper, Scissors Society looked at the wider body of pro players at a tournament. According to their analysis, they observe rock being played 35.4% of the time, paper 35% of the time, and scissors at 29.6% of the time. Why tournament players seem to strongly favor rock and paper isn't really clear, although it is noted that most tournament players are male, and as we all know, males are more likely to go with rock. All right, now let's turn our attention to the World Rock Paper Scissor Association, and this is from their website. Quote, the World Rock Paper Scissors Association is a professional rock paper scissors organization that was created in order to encourage individuals to play RPS both for fun and to help with any small decisions in their daily life 
like who gets the last slice of pizza or who will wash the dishes tonight, end quote. See, I told you, you can use RPS to solve the whole who does the dishes thing. It says so right there on their website. For professional athletes, the RPS, the World Rock, Paper, Scissors Association, is the only place for championship-level rock, paper, scissor tournaments. Currently, it's comprised of annual Canadian, European, and United States national championships, along with the World Rock, Paper, Scissors Championship. The guidelines for the competition are very simple. The players need to remain at each side of the table. There is additionally a referee that is directing the game and giving yellow or red cards if the players are not acting admirably, basically being jerks. The simple rules you need to know are that rocks beat scissors, scissors beat paper, and paper beats rock. Now, these tournaments give an equal chance of competing and winning to everybody. The proper guidelines and strict rules have been available by the WRPSA to avoid any sort of injustice activity. For those new to the game, the only tosses you're allowed to use are rock, paper, and scissors. Any use of dynamite, bird, well, Spock, water, match, fire, god, lightning, bomb, or any other non-authorized tosses can bring permanent elimination from the grounds. They take this stuff seriously. Players are permitted the ability to confuse their opponents. <laughs> I'm sorry. Players are permitted the ability to confuse their opponents with announcing or giving a hint about their next move with taunts and costumes. <laughs> now I can see why it was televised. <laughs> Professional RPS tournaments are completely authorized and an easy way for anyone to become a professional athlete and compete. A RPS tournament is, well, unlike, oh, let's say, running a half marathon. You don't have to wake up at, oh, dark early in the morning to get there and compete. It doesn't harm you physically. It actually requires you to learn and practice the skill which enhances your mental capability. It's different from the usual sports, but it does provide an excellent platform to showcase your skills, sportsmanship, and win awards. Now, lastly, here's the best news. You can join the WRPSA for free. All you have to do is fill out a single step form entering your name, gender, date of birth, email, in addition, your favorite RPS move. Once you do that, you can now consider yourself a professional athlete. The link to join is very simple. It's WRPSA.com. Click on the membership tab. It's free. And now you're a professional athlete. Once you signed up, go ahead. Challenge me. I always start with paper. Go ahead. Choose rock. I dare you. <laughs> That's going to do it for episode 69. And what have we learned? Well, we learned that when the Japanese adults or kids wanted to settle differences, they played frog, slug, and snake. <laughs> we learned that despite everything I've always thought, Rochambeau does not mean rock, paper, scissors. It's some French general that helped the Americans during the Revolutionary War. We just shout his name when we hit our hand with our fist. <laughs> and lastly, we learn that if you're in an RPS tournament, do not, under any circumstance, try and throw bird, Spock, water, fire, lightning, or a bomb. You'll get tossed out faster than me trying to enter a chess tournament. Neither of them is going to end well. That will do it for this episode. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. And I'll talk to you next time on 
20 minutes, you'll never get back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.